Lord, would you help us to, to focus this morning on who you are and what you've created us to be? And we pray for all of us that nothing would get in the way of us fulfilling all your earthly purposes for us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, well, thinking of purpose, um, places, I think, have God-given purposes, and uh, so do people. And God's got a purpose for everything and for all of creation. Um, You'll have seen this sign. I used it a a sermon a couple of years ago when we're thinking about vision. Um, Some of you might even remember the Bible passage that I was speaking about, about living stones in of our, of our local community. And um, with Claygate, there's a little bit of a clue in the name about what I think our God-given purpose was. And you've heard me share a couple of years ago about the clay pits and them getting used for ordinary purposes and extraordinary purposes, even royal purposes. I asked at eight o'clock and loads of people have got a Claygate fireplace. Has anyone got one here? Just a few of you. The eight o'clockers win it. Uh, I was saying to them, did you know that they're very, very precious, those bricks in Claygate fireplaces? And I gave a very serious warning to the congregation. You think people are after your money, but they're after your bricks, (laughs) your living stones. But also these have been used um, for royal purposes, uh, rebuilding, building Hampton Court Palace. And as living stones... Uh, the image for each of us that I want you to hold on to is God's called you and shaped you uniquely for his purposes. So we're going to focus on that a little bit. Um, I don't want to embarrass anyone here, but um, does anyone do people watching around here? They want to admit to sort of doing a little bit of people watching? Probably in a very judgmental way, I imagine. Not in Claygate, that's just me. Um, but... Um, it's really interesting. People come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and we try and work them out, and sometimes we can be really, really wrong about this. I do something, some of you might do this as well, don't judge me for it, dog watching. Um, we've got uh, a dog, Diggy the dog, and he's learning to walk a little bit less like that and more like that. Uh, but when we let him off the lead, he just wants to run like the wind. Now... That's okay for digging because he likes to be able to catch people or other dogs uh, unless he's running against a whippet. Whippets are really made for running. Labradors are made for retrieving. Actually, uh, some people, some farmers locally here remind us that Labradors and any other dog are not there to round up sheep. Sheep dogs round up Sheep, Labradors, when they're trained properly, may have been used to pick up pheasants. Sheepdogs are not supposed to pick up pheasants. Do you want to offend anyone here? Has anyone got a toy poodle? No, that's good. (laughs) I like toy poodles, all of God's creation. Um, But toy poodles are not to be attached to a sledge to take you to the North Pole. That would be a few huskies. I think you've got the point. I don't want to labour it too much, but God created people and places and animals and you and me for a purpose. 
And it's very well worth us finding out what that is. Life, probably not here, but my experience is life can be a little bit of a challenge. Just looking out, I think you might agree with me. But so much more of a challenge if we end up being and doing the things that we're not shaped to be. Sometimes needs must. So we can end up in roles, and this can happen in our, like, I mean, who likes taking the rubbish out? But someone in our house has got that job. Uh, it's not good enough to say, Alison, I'm not shaped for doing the, <laughs> doing the rubbish today. It doesn't work. But there's some jobs that we get caught up in and needs must. There's got to be food on the table. We've got to pay for it in some way. Much better if we have the choice, and I stress not everyone has got the choice, to choose the things that God shaped us to be and do. And that requires a little bit of a discovery and uh, getting to know ourselves a little bit better. I'll come back to that. Um, it might not be wise for some of us uh, who are not wired in a particular way to crunch data when we're an artist or vice versa. Or maybe not wise to work alone if you get our energy and life from being with people. Or being a teacher when we're more natural at being a salesperson at at the 9.30 congregation. I met someone who was a salesperson and quite good at it, who's come alive and retrained as a teacher. They just about have a baby in the next year. But it's amazing, isn't it? So we can be reasonably good at doing stuff, but maybe not called to do it. And we can be pretty rubbish at doing stuff and feel called to do it. Um, um, I was um, it's a bit unfair on Thomas, but I asked him in the middle of the sermon if it was all right for me to join the worship group. Uh, <laughs> and it's not that I can't sing, um, but actually that's, that's not my calling. I have been in churches, though, with people who can't sing, who do think it's their calling. And that's a little bit of a problem explaining that. And people, sorry about this, but, but this works in all sorts of different ways. So how do you know that you're called? Well, you work it out a little bit yourself, but probably someone else has noticed that in you as well. And if they haven't, do you think we're too polite? To, it's hard to tell someone, sorry, you can't sing. Um, quite a few people have told me, sorry, you can't preach, Patrick. But there you go. The... Um, <coughs> Move on. <laughs> um, we've been given hands. Um, maybe it's to do fine art rather than labouring and building things. What are your hands created for? Some things come naturally to different people. It could be working with words or numbers or music or leadership. Uh, Or it could be, and there's a lot of people here, they're unassuming and loyal. And they just faithfully serve behind the scenes and they're not looking um, for folks necessarily to notice. I feel that I come alive um, in a variety of different settings. Um, It pays to do the things that are energising. And uh, the opposite's true. It can be rather draining if we end up uh, doing things like I'm not great at crunching data I'm just putting it out there uh, there's certain other things like that but in worship settings I gen- like 
it's a joy. I come alive even better when I've got other people to worship alongside me. And sharing faith and people looking interested. Wow, that makes me feel a little bit alive. Chatting to different groups of people, listening, and then having the opportunity to to pray something into their lives. That's a wonderful thing. Maybe it's casting vision or helping people to find and use, and this is what this series is about, and it gives me a lot of joy, their God-given shape, their God-given gifts. And you know what? It's not good enough for us to know that. You know what I'm going to say next, don't you? Like God's shaped you in a particular way. What a complete tragedy it is if we don't use that gift or those gifts. Um, For me, I get energised by challenge and love challenges, physical and spiritual and other things. Unfortunately, I sometimes put that on other people. That's not always good, but some of it's good. Um, And I love to find alternative solutions for things when the obvious way ahead seems to be blocked. I have this belief ingrained in me deeply rooted that with God's help, there is always a way. How has God, and I might say a little bit about that, because we believe in a God uh, for whom death was not the end. So I just got this picture of God's resurrection power. It might not always work out how I imagine it, but there's always a way with God. It might be a painful and a hard way, but there's always a way. How has God naturally, should I say supernaturally, shaped you? What brings you life? Because if it does, it's more likely to bring life to others. My next slide, very quick. These are the three points I'm going to make. I'm going to focus on the third one um, more than the other two. But God the maker, God the shaper, and God the recreator. So we're made for good, and God the maker. Very briefly, I want to acknowledge the God of creation. That's been a bit of a focus over the last few weeks, the God who gives and keeps on giving. And I'll go back to this refrain. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. Everything in heaven on earth is yours. All things come from you. And that's you and me. Has anyone told you today that you are God's gift to the world? We might get a little bit proud about that. But honestly, listen to it. That's what, that's what God says. He wasn't wasting his time when he made you. And he looks and it's good. And it's really, really good. Just a quick whiz through from Genesis, just to underline this idea of God the creator. Genesis 1, 26, God said, let's make mankind in our image. Can you imagine God the Holy Trinity having a bit of a chat? He didn't think it was a laugh to make us. He thought it was good in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he'd made, and it was very good, like very, very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. 
Genesis 2. And maybe we're speaking directly into Claygate. As you hear this, uh, read dust for clay. It's sort of the same, isn't it? It just needs to be special sort of dust. And the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being, a living soul. You and I are made in the image of God and it was and it is and it will be very, very good. You're unique. You're a unique gift to the world. You are made for good. Next thought, made for good, God the shaper. Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. We are uniquely shaped to serve God's purposes in ordinary and extraordinary ways. You've heard about the shape course, we've said it stands for spiritual gifts, heart's desire, abilities, personality, experience, and it'll be a unique mix for each of us. All important, but the combination is different. Some of you may have God-given gifts, but without the desire to do anything about it. I've already given an example of someone with a desire to use something that probably wasn't a God-given gift. Okay, don't need to labour that point too much. Um, And I've said that it's hard when someone feels that they want to serve in a particular way and they're not gifted for it. But mostly that's not the case. It takes a lot of trust to place ourselves in God's hands, looking at that image on the screen. Um, But if we don't, our lives will be less fruitful. That's just a a fact. A few years ago, I don't want to make anyone feel jealous, but I went on a walking holiday uh, to the Atlas Mountains, was about to go. It's beautiful, but it's important when you go on such holidays to be fit and ready to go and not injured. Well, in my preparation, I was doing some cycling around Yorkshire a little bit too fast going down one hill, and I came off at great speed, landed on my hip, and a little bit like Jacob, got up with a limp that wasn't going away, and it was really painful. Um, What I didn't want to do is to go any particular treatment. It wasn't broken, but I thought it was slightly dislodged, maybe fractionally dislocated. Anyway, I decided to put my hands, not on a pot, uh, myself, not on a potter's wheel, but into the hands of a local osteopath. I don't like putting my hand, myself in the hands of local osteopaths, because in order to reshape and recreate me, um, I was going to say, um, it hurts. There's probably a word that you could say <laughs> before it hurts. Um, but, um, but I did, and it did hurt. Uh, but I, I think miracle, I thought it was, I walked out of there pain-free and I could go on my holiday. In um, lockdown, there's probably quite a few of you who have done, done bread making and 
I don't know, did you cross-stitch and things like that, people discovering these new skills. I'm told, but not in the former two congregations, that quite a few people have taken up pottery. Anyone has taken up pottery in lockdown? No. We're so dull in Claygate, aren't we? Or maybe too interesting to do that sort of thing. But um, I haven't, but I remember being at school taking, um, we were made to do pottery. I'm not particularly artistic. I could throw a ball. So I knew I could get the clay in the centre of the wheel, and that's quite important. And, um, and I knew I could lovingly put my hands around the clay. And then quite unfortunately, then I just mangled it, basically. That is not my gift. If we let ourselves be placed by God in the centre of the wheel, it's not going to mangle us. He's going to shape and recreate us for godly purposes. Not quite like the osteopath, but it does take quite a lot of trust to put ourselves in that place. Not an expert at potting, but sometimes the clay isn't the purest type and there's bits in it that need sorting. And something, sometimes what God wants to create us to be isn't quite what we imagined, but we have to trust. And this is an ongoing process. I think it's a lifelong process, actually. But God is going to make and reshape us for his purposes. And that will change in different ages and stages of life. But we all have a function and we all have a purpose. You're unique, created and called to be shaped for good. Next point. Made for good, God the recreator. And this sort of digs a little bit more into the passage. Just just stay with me if you're able. Ephesians 2 describes Jesus seated with God the Father in heavenly realms. God the Holy Spirit, although not mentioned by name, is at work in all believers, sanctifying and recreating us into the people that God calls us to be. The wider context of this passage, which is easy to skip, is that there's a reminder that there's a before and after with God. A time when we were separated from him and then through faith united with him. A time, this is strong language, that we were dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions. But then, and Catherine's quoted this twice already, we've sung it, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, and made alive in Christ. Those who put their faith in Christ are a new creation, recreated and go on being transformed by God. The letter to the Ephesians is a challenge to those who uh, choose to follow their own thoughts and desires with no reference to or alignment with God. The letter to the Ephesians tells us that those who put their faith in Christ are seated with God in the heavenly realms. Theologians, for those of you who are interested in this, call this realised eschatology. 
Um, we're no longer dead in our sins, but born again in Christ. The Holy Spirit guarantees, it's a stamp, that one day we have an eternal place with Christ in God. And in fact, that's, that's the reality of our position. It's a not negotiable thing that all of us believers have. That's, that's what's going to be. But in the meantime, there's stuff to be getting on with, with God's help. Still work to do. And the challenge is doing the right things in the right way, recognising our calling and God-given shape. The Holy Spirit gives us grace and gifts to live for God in the here and now. Now, this isn't bad, but um, I think it's good, actually. But much of my Christian journey has been exploring who God is. That's like being a main focus. That's an all right thing, isn't it? But this week, I've been reflecting on it. And I just wonder whether that's been at the expense of spending less time exploring who I am in God. It's a very subtle difference. Because we can learn about God and maybe even understand about him. But he created us for relationship and a particular purpose. So I would strongly argue that the call for each of us is to work out who we are in God. Many in our society encourage us to be ourselves. You've probably heard that refrain, haven't you? Like that's like a high goal. You go and be yourself. I think it's slightly wrong calling. I think we're encouraged to be the people that God has called us to be because otherwise it can be an excuse for us to get on and indulge in anything that we think we might quite fancy and sort of argue um, the case and enjoy that freedom. And those freedoms probably don't last very long. It's okay if these passions are good and godly, not so great if we indulge in our fallen nature. It caused to become the person that God's created us to be. And some ancient Christian teaching strongly encourages us, and I'll slow down here, to know ourselves better if we want to grow in our relationship with God. So the call, and this might seem quite strange and a bit indulgent, but it isn't, to know ourselves better if we want to grow in our relationship with God. Because there's parts of us that if we don't work it out, there'll be good bits and not so good bits. If we're able to identify what they are and be obedient to what they are, they'll free us up in all sorts of different ways, in particular our relationship with God. And um, many of us need to battle against the pressure to fulfil the expectations of others. Uh, to be a certain sort of person. Maybe for us parents, sort of projecting our hopes and dreams on our children, probably no one's done that around here. Some of it can be good, but some of it's not so good. Um, Maybe some of us have been encouraged or not encouraged to be a student there's probably a generation um, that like some of you have been in where it was 
thought wrong for women to study at universities and things like that, but probably far more gifted than many of us. Um, maybe it's the job that you've been called to do. Or we think vicars only should behave and act in a, in a certain way. That's a real battle. Um, and I think I've said this before, for me, going into the ordained ministry, I thought, I can't be like that person or that person. And the gift is that you don't have to be. And for all of us, God calls you to be the person that he's shaped you to be. You may never fully understand, and this is a lifelong journey, but we need to become far more self-aware. I found this quote liberating in the week. Uh, My vocation, your vocation, calling, is not a goal to be achieved, but a gift to be received. Your calling, your vocation, is not a goal to be achieved. It's a gift to be received. Discovering the real you and me, who God knitted together in our mother's womb. It's interesting having a conversation with Jane before the service. She's doing a lot of knitting, like for connections. And it's a joy, I think, doing the knitting. It wouldn't be for me. Psalm 139, God's done a lot of knitting in our mother's wombs. wombs. He knew what he was doing and it is and was good. There's no need to pretend that we're people that we're not. You are made and shaped for good. What is your God-given shape? I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Ephesians 2, the passage that we had. Verse 8, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. Not by works, so no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This comes in rich variety. I don't know um, if anyone can see the, the image on the screen. Jen chose this for me. Um, you might not appreciate being um, likened to a glass pot, but just indulge me for a few moments. They come in all different shapes and sizes and rich variety and vibrancy and colour. These pots have been created for a purpose, as we have, and actually we're called to complement each other. And um, I suppose that the calling, the journey that we'd like to be on is discovering what that shape is for us. Now we've got a couple of people, Richard's run the shape course before, a couple of people have, well a few people have done the shape course. Anyone done the shape course here? Does it, right, there's a few, few of you. Some of you might have known before the course um, who you are in God. But a couple of people who've done the course discovered a bit more. Um, Maxine shares, and she's got a secular job as well, and, and that comes across. Uh, and Richard also interviews Mark, who's just retired from his job in the city as operations manager, and through the course felt called to um, 
and step into new shoes, not Brian Howes' shoes, but he's operations manager now, uh, which he gives out of love and service to God and the church. So let's listen to these two people now. Hi, I'm Maxine. I really enjoyed the Shape the Course. It gave me a chance to pause. It gave me a chance to reflect on my relationship with God, how I was serving God, and how God was at work in my life, all aspects of my life. It just gave me that time to, to stop and think. I learned a huge amount about myself, God, and how I think about God in my life. I saw serving as something that uh, you do within the church community. You do as part of the Sunday, you do volunteering within the church, you're on different rotors, etc. And the Shape Course helped me realise that I am serving God in everything that I do. I'm serving God at work, I'm serving God at home with my friends, my family and to not compartmentalise the gifts that God has given me. And that's actually made a huge difference in terms of how I work with my colleagues, how I approach different situations, and how I pray and bring God into everything that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis. It's made me think about where God has blessed me with gifts and also to value the gifts of others. I think we have, for example, some very obvious gifts. We have an amazing band here who are brilliant. We can see and hear their gifts on on a weekly basis. We also have some people who serve who have perhaps some undervalued, underappreciated gifts. The ability to come alongside somebody and uh, understand when all is not well in their life. And it's made me value those gifts in other people as well as those in myself. I'm really looking forward to going through some of the key elements of this as part of the sermon series because I think it's something we can't think enough about. And as we grow and as we change as individuals, we have different abilities, different gifts that God is laying on us at different points in our life. Hi, I'm Mark. It made me start thinking about what I was doing with my life and how I spend my time. And I found that very useful. Because I think sometimes, I mean, if you look at the job I'm currently doing, I had always had a feeling I was called to do it. But Brown House is doing such a wonderful job and seems to be doing it forever. It never really occurred to me to actually throw my hat in the ring and say, you know, when Brian's going to retire, then I'll be quite you know, interested in being under consideration. And it was really only those conversations I had with you after the course where suddenly, you know, I, I really felt I had to say something. And then you'll look in your face and say, actually, Brian's looking to get a to have someone replace him, I suddenly realised I probably shouldn't have been keeping this all to myself, you know, sort of just waiting for someone to tap me on my shoulder. So I think that was quite an important lesson about if God calls you, it's absolutely to share that calling with someone. I found personally the session on spiritual gifts was probably the best. I think up until that point, I always felt that spiritual gifts were things that, well, people in the Bible had, but not me. You know, I didn't personally have these spiritual gifts. So when we did that session, well, the first thing I learned was some of the things I know I'm good at actually turned out to be spiritual gifts. That was like tick. But I think the thing which was really important for me was when I looked at some of the things I'd done at church, where quite frankly, I didn't know what I was doing. It was all new and all a bit scary. It was just how much the Lord helped me. Because I really found that in those kind of sessions, well, yeah, I just had to, you know, I, you know, I got words of encouragement. Sometimes I would be asked a difficult question, which I didn't really know the answer to, and the words would just seem to form in my mind. Other times I really wasn't too sure what to do next. I just had a feeling I ought to do something. 
I suddenly realised by doing the shape course and talking about the spiritual gods, that actually God's there with you the whole time. And actually, yeah, you don't have to be scared about taking on something new, but actually he's going to support you. And yeah, he gives you the help and support. In a sense, he gives you on-the-job training while you're doing these new tasks. And for me, that was very important. It just gave me confidence to do new things because knowing that the law is going to be with you, this makes all the difference. And I think there was a, there's a couple of verses from Proverbs which I've taken to heart since. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I've always just helped remind me it's not all about me, but it's about the fact that he's going to be supporting me in whatever I do. So that's just um, two people who've been on, on, that, on this journey and lots of folks in, in the church have, have. And I suppose the question for today, um, made for good, what are you made for? I just want to reflect on the Genesis reading again. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he'd made, and that includes us, and he said, it's really, really good. You are made for good. I'm hoping over the next few weeks, um, we'll engage with the sermon series. Some of you are in small groups. You want to be part of a small group, speak to Catherine. And um, like Mark, maybe just a bit more aware of our spiritual gifts. Maybe it's our desires, our godly passion, our abilities. And we bring all of our life experience into the mix. This won't just be liberating, and I hope it will be as we begin this journey, but as we know ourselves better, my hope and prayer is it's going to not just bring life to us and life to others, but it will deepen our relationship with our maker, creator, shaper, recreator. Amen.